Welcome to Flashlight Podcast, where we aim to shine a light into all your favorite songs through conversations with artists on how music has helped them through hard times. I'm Nandi Rose, and I perform and write under the name Half Wave. I'm based in the Upper Hudson Valley of New York. I'm a songwriter, singer, producer, and also I really love birds. <laughs> Gotta shout out the bird community. When I was eight or nine, that's sort of when I started making up songs. I had my first band in third grade and it was an all-girl group. We were very inspired by the Spice Girls. I was the songwriter and back then songwriting was just this sort of natural extension of how I would observe the world and, and process it, but in a really fun and playful way. So these were songs about butterflies and when we were you know, studying ancient Egypt, songs about pharaohs and um we were really into this shop called the fashion bug so i don't know we would sing about the fashion bug um so it was yeah definitely an outlet for sort of play and when i got a little older um when i was in middle school songwriting kind of took on a new role for me when my parents separated and it's then that i started kind of more seriously calling myself a songwriter and using songwriting as an outlet to um, process kind of intense emotions and, and make sense of what was happening. So it, um, yeah, started as a vehicle for play and then I think became more of a space for healing for me as I grew up. I think that the kind of switch to it being more of a place for healing was sort of a natural one of, of that age of being an adolescent. It was just that, you know, how our brains were evolving at that time, less about looking at butterflies with friends and more about looking at awkwardness and loneliness and grappling with some heavier themes. So it felt organic and um, felt like a safe space for me to sit at the piano and write. I will say just when you said like, was there a time when songwriting was painful for you? Kind of fast forwarding a little bit. When I got to college, I kind of realized that the songs that I was writing were not the songs that I was listening to. Like it wasn't the kind of music that I wanted to put on. And that freaked me out um, because I was like, I want to be writing music that I, that I objectively like, not just the kind of music that pours out naturally. So there was a period in college where I kind of stopped writing songs um, and needed to reevaluate not only why was I writing, but what did I really want to say and how did I want to bring that into the world? And that has continued to be a journey that I'm on, um, kind of looking at, you know, I never want to put forth work that just feels sad to be sad. You know, it's it's important to me that there's not only a mechanism of of self-healing and reflection, but that it's also uh, a means for other people to feel seen and uplifted ultimately. So it definitely, it's been a journey for me to kind of figure out what I want to say and how I want to say it, not only for myself, um, but also knowing that that it's something I want to share with others. Yeah, that's really interesting. How you specified the difference between putting out music that's sad, but then putting out music that's sad with a 
more of a deeper meaning or more of a purpose, I think is more so what you were getting at purpose. Do you think that it's kind of like a heavy question, but with that, do you think that all art that you create has to have that sort of deeper purpose or is there a benefit to just, or meaning to just writing something that is going to pour out of you naturally? It's a good question. And it's something that I've thought a lot about. And in fact, I did a a little interview with the artist, Kevin Devine, where we were interviewing each other. And I think at one point I asked him like, do you feel a responsibility to your audience? And I think that's sort of what that question is. Like, do you feel a responsibility as an artist to, you know, do certain kinds of things with what you're making? And um, I think it's more, maybe not even just taking the audience out of it. Maybe I almost feel like I have a responsibility to myself to try to work through um, the sadness and grief and intensity of what I'm feeling in a way that is active, in a way that helps me move through it. Um, I've always, I've always kind of approached uh, sadness and melancholy and sort of dark feelings from a place of of wanting to to be proactive about it. Um, wanting to find my tools to to move past it and um i think songwriting is just another one of those tools that i've developed and um i've kind of needed to develop to help myself out of out of these holes so yeah i feel in that way i feel like there is a a sense of of responsibility or it's it's been an important purpose for me not just to write because oh it's fun to sit down and write but because there's actually something i'm actively moving through and there is another side of it there is a beyond past the point of the song when the song is over there's something that exists beyond it mm-hmm. and when you get to that point too where well when you're writing and you are writing with the goal of having something exist beyond the song when you get to the point where the song is finished the song is ready to be released into the world do you often take a step back and kind of let it do its thing or do you feel like you need to play a more active role in how the song is received by others definitely a step back there's i mean I, i've kind of i've really come to re- like recognize that there's very little I can do beyond the point of writing and creating and making the best work that I can. And then in terms of how it gets perceived or brought into the world, I'm still like so pleasantly surprised to learn, like someone will send me a message. Like I was listening to, might even be like a really old record. I was listening to Lavender and it like really helped me through this time. And it's, um, it's astounding. And it is like the greatest gift ever to, to know that people or to like hear that people are listening because um, once it's out there, it's, yeah, I obviously have no idea where it's going to go. And, um, I, I, I need to kind of work at disengaging from, from that because I have no control over what happens once it's in the world. And then I, I usually just start working on the next project. As soon as I'm done with one, I'm, I'm kind of on to the next. Wow. It sounds like you're constantly in a cycle of creating. I can say, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm deep into my, my new record right now. So yeah, always, um, kind of always writing. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's so integrated into the fabric of my life that, uh, I hope I keep doing it forever. When I was looking at your Patreon, I saw that part of 
maybe your welcoming message or maybe it was somewhere else was when you created it, you had this idea of where does creation meet sharing? As a songwriter, when can you be protective of your writing and with that, you know, your experiences and your innermost feelings versus wanting to send that into the world? And I know you mentioned a little bit too about being intentional with a purpose. So I think this question maybe can go more in the direction of are, is there anything that is too personal that, you know, you want to write it for yourself and maybe just isn't something that you would want to send into the world, even if you think it's a great piece or you think it's something that could be really powerful? I think I'm maybe a bit of a chronic oversharer. So <laughs> to me, sort of nothing is off limits. I've also really come to realize about myself, like I was at a wedding last year and um, chatting and catching up with it was a family friend wedding and just catching up with people and I just really want I really wanted to talk about people's grief like not in a way of like I'm gonna go and be morbid or like be a downer but um, I, I guess that's more to say I really wanted to have some real conversations with people when I was catching up like what have you been going through like you know also what are you celebrating and we were obviously in a very celebratory kind of place, but, um, but in, but in a setting where you're just like kind of rubbing elbows and catching up, I was like, I don't want to just have these surface conversations. I really like to go, I like to go there with people if they're willing. And if they, if I sense that they're, you know, interested in doing that too, um, because we don't have that many opportunities often, um, in our day to day to really look at each other and say like, yeah, what, what are you harboring? Like what's, what's going on in there? Like we're all, going through something, um, again, whether that's something really beautiful and celebratory or if it's something really challenging. Um, and I like going there with people and I like getting into that pit because that is, that's the marrow of our humanity. That's where we, that's where we all overlap, no matter, you know, our background or, or where we're from or, or our experiences, there is this through line that we all can tap into. And that's what I'm really interested in getting at. So I, to that end, I don't really feel like there's that much that's like off limits for me to share. It takes me some time, certainly. Like when I'm going through something, I don't necessarily immediately want to broadcast it. And I, and I don't, I, I put it in the music, but you know, the album that I'm working on now is about some pretty heavy topics and some things that are hard to talk about, um, namely that I had a miscarriage a year ago. And, and when I was working on this or while I'm working on this album, I'm kind of thinking about what it's going to be like to do a lot of interviews about it. And I, I actually feel excited, um, a little scared, but also like, this is, a really good opportunity to like talk about this, this thing that feels very isolating and there's so much taboo around it and so much shame. And I didn't know what it felt like. I mean, I couldn't know what it felt like to go through it, but you hear how common it is. And then to actually experience it was, was uh, devastating. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of people who have gone through it, you know, but also even if you haven't, um, what we're talking about is is a deep loss and and that again is that through line tapping into that marrow of of our humanity and uh when i experienced this very profound thing in my life like i felt like i had joined 
I had joined this communal space that I, I hadn't had access to before. And it was deeply painful, but there was also something really incredible about, um, about gaining that access to, to a space of loss that um, virtually every human has or will experience in some, in some capacity. So I guess that stuff, yeah, that stuff kind of is a big part of my work and why I'm drawn to this kind of work because I want to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I think it makes sense to why, like you said, at the wedding, you'd be drawn to wanting to have these real conversations about grief because that's something that um, a miscarriage is something that you have to grieve. It's a loss. And I liked what you said as well about almost gaining access to this community I think that's a really important thing too when you are experiencing something that especially isn't talked about enough because it's seen as something that is private in some communities or to some people probably even shameful. And I think in those circumstances, it's where these communities can really come up and offer the support that maybe even your closest friends can't offer because they just can't understand it. Coming back to music too and then for you to be able to channel that into your music and to be able to speak out in interviews I would say is aligned with that sense of creating music with purpose and direction to kind of bring these conversations up and for people who have had the same experience to be able to have something you know in mainstream media and public spaces to be able to resonate and relate to when it's otherwise very isolating Absolutely. I think at the core of all of this is just our desire to be seen by each other, by someone, just to be able to say, I see you. Maybe I didn't experience the exact same thing you did, but I know loss. I know grief. I know pain. I know darkness. I think that's why like, yeah, when I'm feeling sad, I want to put on a sad song because I want someone to to mirror that back at me um, or to be able to to show me that I'm not alone going through this. And that's a really, like, it's an honor for me to be a part of that, um, that kind of work of, of extending, you know, the music is an, ex it's an extended hand that's saying like, I'm here too. And like, I, I see you, what you're going through and we can get through it and we will. And that's why, again, I'm, I really for myself like to leave songs in a place of, of uplift of um you know like i i'm gonna get through this like this this will not beat me down um and so again if you know ho hopefully people can also feel like that's that's an extended hand towards them too there's so many layers of community and recognition in music it's not even just a song that has and and you said it in like you might not have experienced the same thing as me, but you also have experienced a sense of pain or darkness or loss that you can resonate with. And with music, it's like, you don't have to write even about the exact same experience that somebody else has gone through. You can be sad over one type of loss and then listen to a song about a breakup and you might still resonate with it because the feelings are transferable between people. When you're experiencing something that's dark or isolating, it can also be very confusing. And I think sometimes that makes it harder to process or to deal with because you can't even fully make out what it is that you're experiencing. So when you have music or 
writing or something like that to fall back on. It can help you make sense of what you're going through. Yeah. And we, and we tend, I think as humans, we just tend to see ourselves in stories. Mm. And I think that's a really, like you were saying, it's a transferable kind of experience. I think that's, that is just this natural tendency, even if it's not speaking to your exact experience, like we tend to, you know, kind of magic eye <laughs> these, these, uh, these experiences. And we see within, within the patterns we find ourselves. Um, I think that's a really beautiful thing about art in general. Mm. Yeah. A lot of your music, I would say specifically to your, your 2020 album. So two albums ago, The Caretaker, it explores solitude, I think a lot, but so much of your presence as an artist is centered around community and music as this connective power. How do you balance this dichotomy? Great question. Um, I love that. Well, the process of writing a song for me, um, going back to the very beginning, even when it was this this place of play, um, it has always been solitary. Um, I want to be able to go into a room, it's usually this room that I'm in right now, and close the door and, um, and write. And um, I've kind of thought over the years about like, oh, do I want to get into like co-writing or try that out? And maybe someday, but um, it's such a sacred space for me to engage with myself and um and that has always been the way that I've approached songwriting but with every album that I make there's always a point where uh I can't do it all myself and that is a, a beautiful and humbling and rewarding realization to get to like I can't do it all myself great that means I don't have to do it alone and there's always a point where I bring in collaborators, co-producers, other instrumentalists, bandmates. Um, and then it becomes this, um, this real communal experience. And in fact, the record that we're making right now, my co-producer Zubin and I, um, our kind of mantra for this album is, is personal sadness, ecstatic togetherness. And I think that sort of encapsulates what, uh, what, my interest is in in making music which is to have this kind of it comes from a place of very personal sadness these are these are my life stories and experiences that i'm writing about which kind of needs to happen within a capsule within an isolated space um but then the the really real celebration of of sharing that and bringing it out into the world and 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 creating it with other people so it is a dichotomy but i think that the two um, work really well together in the process of making music. And it's, it's sort of, uh, imperative that I have, that I have both structures. Yeah. I believe that's a lot of what we've touched on to the sense of being able to express this deep sadness, but then to experience it together in community. And I, it reminds me of what you said earlier too, about when you're at the wedding the sense of wanting to have these real personal conversations, but also understanding that you're in a celebratory space. Right. And I think it's the idea too, of holding these celebratory moments and also these sadder, darker moments with your loved ones to the same importance and bringing the same level of care to both experiences, whether you're celebrating somebody or you're supporting somebody this is sort of a an age-old realization um or thing to say but you know when we when we know when we know grief when we touch 
loss, it, it just, uh, puts into relief even stronger what it means to feel joy and to feel love. And so talk about another dichotomy that is necessary to have. Like we, we need, you need the, the sun and the moon. You need to understand light to understand dark. It's again, it's this, uh, this age old idea, but um, I think that's also kind of what we're talking about. The grief at the wedding that like you, you like to, to know such deep, pain and, and, um, kind of sorrow is, um, just makes you so grateful for that, that love and that connection and that celebration that they, that you're there for. Um, I think they, yeah, they really put each other into, into stark relief and, um, and add to that, that sense of, of aliveness. Yeah. There's a lyric from, I don't remember the name of the song, but it's Leith Ross's song. And the lyric is grief is love run backwards. And I think I love that lyric so much because what is grief if not an expression of love? Because grief is saying, I loved having this person in my life. I appreciated the role that they had in my life. So I think that's a really, a really beautiful way of looking at grief that I think can help navigate loss as well. Yeah. And, you know, and you, when you experience that grief, that loss, you know, and you look at how much it hurts so much because of how much you loved, you don't regret that love. You don't regret feeling that. Um, and that's very much how I felt when, when we had the pregnancy loss of just it was so devastating, but it's like, but I, but I loved so deeply, you know, and, and that love is there. And I think, what do they say? Like grief is love with nowhere to go. It's that feeling of like, but you, but you know, it's there. It's, it's, it's overflowing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I love that line. Grief, grief is love run backwards. It's a really good one. A good segue from you were talking about how so much of your writing is you coming into your writing room and as a solitary act, And I read an interview, I believe it was with Stereo Gum. I think you were saying it in regards to Zach, your husband, about how there's a part of you that lives alone that not even him can see. And can that part of you be conveyed ever in a physical form? Can music serve as a bridge between this part that lives very deep inside of you, but then also the art that you're putting back into the world? Yes, I love that idea of music as a bridge. I think that is that is part of of you know why do you write? I think it is to create that bridge from the from the unseen place in you to another person. Um, yeah, that idea is one that I, I I remember at that time I was working through that a lot. I I, I can't remember exactly when that interview was, but um, but certainly like earlier on in our relationship and marriage. Um, just being really struck by this idea of like, no matter how close you are to someone, there is inherent, they're not in your body. They're not in your mind. There is this boundary. We are, we are bounded energy and there are so many ways that we intersect, but there's also, you know, kind of the corporeal (laughs) element of separation. Um, and also the inability to read minds. Um, so that I just find really fascinating in in how we engage um, in our relationships, that that is just something that we are constantly bumping up against. But yes, I think that music, well, I think in a relationship, you develop shared language that exists beyond language. Um, and that 
can, you know, be gestural. It could be, you know, a, a shared love of nature and the way that you engage with that. And it can be musical, it can be artistic and um, music is certainly its own kind of language, even outside of lyrics. Um, but the, the capacity to convey the kind of ephemeral is, is something that I've always loved about songwriting and just like what, what can be conveyed in a few chords. Um, and so, yeah, I think there is, there is, uh, an opportunity for a bridge to be made through that medium that can't exist otherwise. Yeah, and you guys have created music together in a lot of different formats, right? I was, I honestly was trying to like piece things together. I know Half Wave is your project, but do you have people who regularly play with you as part of a band? Half Wave has been a rotating cast of characters over the years, and it's been confusing for me as well to figure it out. That was definitely part of the journey early on of like, is it a band? Is it my project? And I think part of that came out of this, you know, desire to not be like, I'm a singular person and this is my thing. Like I really wanted, uh, I really love the the more egalitarian model of like, we're all making something together and, and tried that for a while. Um, but at the end of the day, the songs are very, very personal as we've talked about. And so I think there's, there was always going to be a piece where I was more of the front person. So I think where we've kind of landed with it is, is it is a, more of a solo project, but again, I'm very quick to say like, there's no way I would do this or could do this alone. And I have, yeah, Zubin Hensler is my, my collaborator who I've been working with for many years now, starting with um, the record Probable Depths, which was like 2015. And then we came back together for Mythopoetics and now the record we're working on. Um, Zach has been, you know, I've toured with him a bunch, but it's, it's, there is not like a set lineup. Um, it's, it's quite fluid, but that's really beautiful too. It kind of shifts and expands and um, there is like kind of a, a halfway universe. And, and on this record that I'm, making right now, uh, whereas Mythopoetics, Zubin and I recorded everything together, just the two of us, like all the instruments and everything. It was important to me at that moment that we kind of have a, a space that was very much the two of us. But with this album, we're like, bring everyone in. And so there's just like people who have played on past records and people, you know, friends from from back in the day in Brooklyn when I lived there. And um, again, it's that ecstatic togetherness that's really conveyed even through the lineup and who's being, you know, involved in the recording process. So it, it feels, it feels like it's landed in, in kind of a natural place, but, um, definitely feels modular and kind of expands and contracts <laughs> according to circumstances. Yeah. I love that. I think there's a really nice through line then from, you know, the caretaker being, very much exploring solitude and also coming out on the cusp of a time that was filled with a lot of solitude yeah. and then kind of this through line to now almost having a musical collective and having so many different creatives and so many different sounds on the new album I think that's going to be a really beautiful transition I'm excited to hear it and hear how it comes out when it's done got 20 songs any... right now so it's gonna oh wow maybe a double album I don't know Oh my God. Yeah. That's like the hardest part. A lot of times when I talk to musicians, I'm always like, how did you choose which songs were going to go on the album? I guess a lot of times it comes down to like the story that you're trying to tell and what songs are going to form a narrative. Is there anything on this album? I know you said you're bringing in more 
people but are you bringing in more like instruments is there anything that's sonically really different that you're aiming to go for yeah well sort of the the biggest kind of underlying thing that we wanted to do more was just have more performances i think halfway got to a point where it was uh very crafted and very like electronic which i and i loved you know that like really getting kind of nitty-gritty on sounds and textures and programming but wanting to well i don't know if strip it back is the right word because there's still a lot of sounds on this record but um having more just like live performances like there's one song that's just like a whole take of me singing and playing and there's arrangements around that there's um songs that we recorded me with a bass player and a drummer so feeling more like a band kind of feeling um a little more collage like and uh there's also new new sounds there's choir and uh harp and horns and yeah there's uh there's a lot of new stuff it's every record i like to approach something slightly differently and um, this one, the the feeling of like recently, one of our other little mottos was like, "Don't be too clever," you know. When you kind of get like, "Ooh, what if we like, you know, automated the reverb there so it came up in that one moment?" Like, we're kind of pushing against that impulse and being like, "Don't be too clever. Just like, like say it, like do it how it is. Like let the maybe more of the natural impulse come through and kind of curtail our music nerd." uh <laughs> our music nerd impulses that want to like get very controlling of every element yeah that's cool I think there's going to be a nice contrast for your latest album then compared to Myth Poetics because I think in that album you have a lot of like surrealist sounds with like backwards piano like earthly rain and things coming in and which is lovely and I love it I think it sounds amazing but I think it's going to be really interesting the sense of like having sounds that were more surrealist or electronic versus now having the motto of like do it how it is I think it's going to be really interesting to see the differences between your previous work and the new album so it's exciting yeah I think surrealist was a good word for mythopoetics and this I forgot to say like the kind of the biggest instrumentation change on this new record is there's like a ton of guitar it's just like just like I love guitar I don't play guitar and I'd never really written for guitar but um that that feels like yeah again that like just like strumming is really like it's just natural it's like kinetic and uh having like like actual real sounds on it that you know are not made in the box um has been really freeing yeah I think that's a nice step outside your comfort zone too because I know you've mentioned like writing has been this solitary act but you said you don't play guitar so you kind of do have to then collaborate collaborate more closely with people who you know can play guitar as you or will write the songs together, compose them together. Yes, yes. My buddy Josh Murray, who plays as Blue Ranger, that's his project. He played guitar on the record and um, we just recorded a couple weeks ago. And yeah, it was very much like him coming up with parts for me being like, oh, you know, Zubin and I'd be like, what about this kind of thing? And then he would try it. And so, yeah, that collaborative energy is really nice. Yeah, I love that. I think it goes along too with so much of, I know you said you've been building your Patreon, like, over the past year and a half and I think it shows a really nice progression too of just continuing with bringing this idea of music as this collective experience and music as this as holding like a collective capacity like having the capacity for connectedness and community you're bringing that to life with your upcoming album I hope so yeah I'm really (laughs) yeah 
And I know you're deep in musical creative process right now. So this question might be like a TBD, but going in to writing an album, you're often writing about your personal struggles. Do you come out with clarity or catharsis or both? So we were listening to one of the tracks that I had written. It was the first track I wrote after the miscarriage um, that's going to be on the record. And uh, I listened to it the other day. Now that it has guitar and drums um, and choir on it. And I just sat there crying, not because I was not because the song made me sad, but just how beautiful it was that this thing that came out of such a, a, a place of sadness um, and such a time of of real grief for me, it just felt so good now. It felt so, um, yeah, it just felt like it had taken on new life. And I think that's, that's really how I feel, you know, when I when I listen to songs that were written from a place of solitude and working through tricky emotions and then getting to the other side when, when it's recorded and it's ready to be shared. Um, it just feels really good. The, the transformative abilities of, of art and of making things. It's like, you're just taking this like goop (laughs) and you're giving it shape and, um, and then extending it, extending it in your hand outward and, um i will just i will i will never stop being absolutely enchanted by that process i've i've heard people say in the past that like writing music saved my life and i feel like i'm going to cry saying this but i don't think i fully understood that until this year this last year when i was writing um because i don't know I don't know how I would have gotten through it if I hadn't had the space to to kind of process and and transform it. It's like I don't want this in my body. I want it to 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 be externalized and be something that I can a year later look at and say, "Oh wow, that's something I went through and I'm so much stronger for it." Um so I I have just deepened respect um, for for the process of writing and making after this year. It really, it really did save my life. Remember to follow us on Instagram at, at flashlight.podcast to stay up to date with future episodes. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.